0: Please
1: stand by. I've been receiving strange reports
0: about Al Giant. It's not as much as the full counter attack. Establishing back here control. Stand by. Primary objective achieved. Welcome back, Commander. Direct control. Oh, oh, oh. AK-47s for everyone! Oh. Nuclear launch detected. While the enemies of the
1: Emperor still draw breath, there can be no peace.
2: Finish him! Game over, man. Game over. Counter-terrorists win.
3: And welcome back to Real-Time Strategy, a discussion on how we can be informed and disinformed on foreign policy, security, and history by simulations from the computer to the tabletop. So this week we're going to discuss... Command and Conquer General. Some of you may remember this game. Uh, it is a game in which the United States, after a rather successful campaign against a terrorist threat known, known as the Global Liberation Army, made out of a collection of jihadis and failed Middle Eastern militarities, uh, comes together and th- blows back against the United States, uh, which collapses, and then the uh, Chinese come and fill in a vast political gap that they've left. If you hear some frighteningly uh, cogent themes for uh, contemporary issues, uh, it'll be a little disturbing to know that this game came out in 2003, and this is a real-time strategy game. So you've got a giant map, and you've got a little pale players uh, on the field, and it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek as well, because most of the terrorist forces also claim most of the time when you click them that they would also like some food apparently they're all underfed. Uh, so it's really good stuff. It's it's very classic Command and Conquer Generals. It's not inside their main plot line but uh, considering the themes involved in how today you've got the United States, you've got China and you've got a force like ISIS uh, involved and of course the remnants of Al-Qaeda. Uh, some A lot of the themes in this game still hold a lot of water, and they're interesting to talk about. Uh, so that's what we will do today. But first, before we jump into that, uh, a short announcement
0: from my wife. SimSec brings you the best content on maritime security, technology, history, and international affairs. And, like the United States, SimSec is, and always will be, free. Sign up to become a member today by visiting www.cimsc.org/ about membership, which gets you daily emails of our articles and a WordPress account that sends your own writings directly to our editorial staff. However, admin, special projects, software, events, and prizes do cost money. There is a new option to make a voluntary monthly donation at the bottom of every SimSec article. No matter how you choose to support us, those who volunteer for the leadership, our amazing content producers, our readers, our listeners, our conference planners and attendees, and our financial benefactors, we are incredibly grateful. Remember, Control is more than just a podcast, and SimSec is more than just a website. We are a vibrant community built on a passion for discovery and discussion. Sign up, write, donate, comment, or even leave five stars on our iTunes page. Join us today.
3: All right, and we are back. And today we are joined by Brett Perry, Matthew Morigie, Lucien Galvier, and Crispin Burke. And we will uh, go through and each one of you guys just give a short introduction. Uh, We'll start with uh, Brett, kind of who you are, where you're from because uh, some folks, I'm sure, have uh, already heard enough of our backgrounds already, but this is for the new listener. So, Brett?
4: Hello, everyone. I am Brett Perry, originally from Nebraska, but now uh, Washingtonian. I work at a defense consulting firm on various defense issues relating to, you know, tactical air platforms, electronic warfare systems, ground combat vehicles, and other a lot of other cool stuff, and... Uh, like the rest of the guys here, you know, I like, uh, I do play video games probably more than I should, and I always have, but uh, I love them and I'm looking forward to chatting with the crew.
2: Matt, how you doing? I'm Matt Morighi. I guess this is my first podcast, um, I guess, as part of the, uh, the Real Time Strategy. Um, I'm the Publications Director uh, for the Center for International Maritime Security, currently a graduate student at the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy at Tufts University up in Medford, Massachusetts. Uh, former resident of the state of New Jersey, lived in D.C. for a while, but uh, been a gamer throughout uh, every uh, place that I've lived and still carrying on that fine tradition with that brand spanking new uh, xbox one that came in for christmas yeah day.
3: gonna play some yeah.
2: siege oh the the ruckus will begin and we'll oh begin. man we're gonna siege
3: <laughs> the jay just like idris elba told us all to <laughs>
2: okay he was my leader
1: lucian uh lucian goth here uh listed sailor member of USNI's editorial board used to work for matt's uh dean admiral servridis i was an advisor to him for a while and uh currently living in annapolis maryland And Crispin.
5: Hi, I'm Crispin Burke. I'm a U.S. military officer. My views do not represent those of the United States Department of Defense, even though I think they should at times. And one thing about me, I'm not wearing any pants right now. Just just kidding. Just kidding. I'm I'm wearing assless chaps. Oh, just kidding about that. All chaps are, by definition, assless. So (laughs) that's redundant. No
2: need for redundancy on the podcast. I'm just going to throw out there that uh, you are an army. Your army and that is
3: representing the United States Army, of course, right there, and everything that you say about assless chaps is the official policy of the United States Army.
5: Here I'm synth uh, attack.
3: <laughs> exactly. I do. Uh, I do like how you uh, you stole. Did you steal my tagline, or did you come up with that independently as a genius? <laughs>
5: No, it's one thing I always say to Carl Prime. We always have this debate about assless chaps, so...
3: No, that's good. Not the assless chaps part. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right, well, uh, we may as well get started somewhere. So, uh, I'll start out, uh, I'll throw it out there, is I remember when this game came out, is I was a big fan of of Command & Conquer, Red Alert, uh, when that came out. And, And, you know, that's kind of amusing with the little animations and everything, but the trailer blew my freaking mind because it was post-9-11 and everybody was in a real heat about kicking the living shit out of all these douchebags living in rocks all over the place uh, who apparently hated us. And just when the trailer came out, I had no idea what it was. And just to see that, that quick you saw the little clips from the UN and CNN and stuff kind of floating around It's just in the modern world leaders solve their problems with words. Well, you're like, "Alright, where is this going?" Words like STED missile launcher, <laughs> bomb, <"Cube> bombing,
2: <laughs> Tomahawk missile. I
3: was I was sold. I was sold. I was in high school and I was like, "This I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know what the game is, but I want this game right now." And it just blew my mind. It was so much fun. Um but uh All right, with that little sort of aside or flavor text, I guess, let me open it up to the floor.
5: Well, I know that I first uh, played the game in uh, 2005, um, probably about a year or two uh, late, and I had first seen the game uh, during the relief for Hurricane Katrina. (laughs) Somebody brought his his laptop with him, um, one of the Blackhawk pilots, Okay, that's also what I do in addition to wearing assless chaps. um, had brought his laptop with him to the Hurricane Relief. um, And I saw him playing this real-time strategy game. And I really hadn't played that many Command & Conquer games, but I kind of knew the concept of real-time strategy games playing a lot of uh, Warcraft and Warcraft 2. And it was a game in which there's uh, Chinook helicopters and other sorts of helicopters flying about the battlefield. And I thought this is very interesting. And... (laughs) Strangely enough, and this is another story for another day, as our task force went from New Orleans back to Fort Rucker, back to, uh, western Louisiana, we actually, you know, at least got to take some time to stop at, um some Walmarts that had not been looted by the, uh, Hoi down in Louisiana. Oh, <laughs> and I picked up Command & Conquer's, uh, uh Command & Conquer generals.
3: And I, someone I who he's... had robbed a, uh, did you pick it from someone who had just robbed <laughs>
5: I, the one? I, I mean, did you did I, you buy Blackmark? it or did you just I, take I, it? I <laughs> <me> <laughs> were they open?
1: Day,
3: damn it!
5: <laughs> and I paid for it again on Steam, <laughs> and I actually had the book, but um, I, I bought. Command Wait, there's Conquer a book. Generals. Well, the, the, you know, the little book which you to put in the codes. I got like the 10 year uh, anniversary edition of uh, Command and Conqueror, so you got like 10 years worth of games. Oh, so you have, yeah. like, uh, you know, a code to put in for each game, so, like, the,
1: the copy protection. Okay, got it. Oh, well, from, like, and Red so Alert was... all the way through Generals?
5: Oh, yeah, 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 all nice. the way through Zero Hour. And so that was really my introduction to the game. I saw this uh, real-time strategy game with uh, helicopters, and that kind of attracted me to the game initially. And my Hurricane Katrina story.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, I I don't have as epic of a story, so I I was playing this... Yeah, I'm not gonna say when I what when how old I was when I was playing this because it may uh, I know it causes uh, Hipple bad. and some of these other guys uh, laugh at you uh, some issues yeah but um, no I remember <laughs> so reading guys. about this game you know back in the olden days you know people wouldn't go to IGN or whatever for a video game news you would actually go to Barnes and Noble pick up a video game magazine and you would read a magazine about video games coming out and my first magazine. It, it, the profile was on Command and Conquer uh, Generals, and I was like, "Man, this looks awesome!" And I mean, the whole—I mean, the writers, I mean, they were so excited because Generals—it was done after Westwood Studios, the guys that made the original yeah. Red Alert and kind of created the series. So everyone was super excited because th- it was like, you know, it was like they were bringing it back to life, and it had a completely new face. I mean, it wasn't the the Red Alert style. I mean, it was, you know, as Matt said, you know, completely different uh, environment. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of fun for, for reasons that we'll discuss. But, uh, you know, I consider it kind of like the first RTS game that I really just, you know, played a lot of. I mean, that in Age of Empires. But, I mean, this was definitely one of my early favorites. So, yeah. yeah.
1: Similarly, uh, talking about archaic ways of en- uh, engaging with video games, uh, my experience with Generals comes from there used to be these co- businesses – To where they just bought a buttload of computers, buttload of consoles, lots of TVs, and you would buy time to sit on either one of the computers or at the console and play the video games there. They would have multiple titles all installed already or the discs for the consoles, and you just sit in there and you'd have, you know, like 20 bucks for four hours just to go sit in there and play video games. And that's how I played Command. I actually never bought the game, but I would go to this. This, this land store. I, I don't know what else to really call it. I, I've not even seen one for the last 12 years, 13
3: years. Um, but I would play at this place and uh, just use their time, use their computers and play against the people there in the building. That's so weird. I've never even heard of one of those.
2: Hey. Oh, yeah, land, land Cafe, man. I guess maybe you just got to travel through the third world a little bit more where, uh, I mean, I still remember playing in those in, uh, I think it was studying abroad in Turkey back in '08. Um, it's a rocking good time actually, because you've got you know all the you know the noise in the background, people inside the uh, you know the place are playing games against each other, so it's like it's almost like a quasi you know public land party that's going on almost all the time. It's actually a lot of fun. Oh, that's
3: we cool. need more of
4: those in America. That that sounds awesome.
3: Yeah, I want yeah. I want to note for the record, uh, specifically, I know your boss doesn't listen to this anyways, but you did just call call. Tur- you work for the former Supreme Commander of NATO, yeah. and you did mm-hmm. just call Turkey a third world country. So I want to note that for the record. that was- no,
1: was- <laughs> Gothere didn't say that. That wasn't Gothere saying that. Just-
2: <laughs> misattribution, Misfit- yeah. misattribution. I was talking about <laughs> seeing them in other places, and then and happened then- to mention that it was in Turkey. Oh, you know how oh much course. of a Turkophile I am.
3: That is true. You did you did go there, uh, go there for abroad. Well,
1: I mean, if we're going for the Russian demographic, we could still keep crapping on Turkey. I mean, we'll be sure to get their <laughs> listenership. Yeah.
3: Well, they, uh, they just you them got what? Them, uh, the Turks and the Greeks just got into a furball uh, over the Aegean, and, and you're, at this point you're kind of like, okay, guys, uh, we're all members of NATO here, right? Can we all just calm the f*** calm the <laughs> down, please? So what and 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 the, you're and saying is mean,
1: I mean, the, I mean, the next incarnation of generals needs to have Turkey, Russia, and Greece pairing off against each other. Is that what we're kind of getting to Yeah, here? and we get to sit you on mean, the sidelines. You're lines. basically saying that they need to recreate the GATT scenario from CGSC? No, no, no. I no. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, I – you know what? I, I got to say, um, Brett, that uh, I kind of like – I kind of like the kind of vibe of what you're saying about generals because I think one of the things that was most important about it, at least to me as somebody who played – so you have stuff that's like super complicated like Age of Empires, um, and then I have my command and conquer generals – or I'm sorry, my command and conquer like Red Alert, and I'm tired of this like hey, – co- Uh, rock-paper-scissors kind of deal, and I've only got two different sides, and everything becomes really predictable. What I loved about this game was that for the first time, I really had three different sides in something that wasn't sort of ridiculous. I'm not building a civilization. I'm just having one battle. And and I'm sure there's other games like it uh, around, but uh, especially considering the fact that, uh, you know, unlike... Red Alert, or the Tiberium Wars with Global Defense Initiative and everything, everything else. These kind of made sense to me, you know. They were, you know, you've got the Comanches flying around, and you got long-range strike bombers, and then you have, you know, T-72s driving around with the Chinese. They kind of felt familiar, like stuff that you would have seen kind of on TV, and so that that gave it a cool dynamic, and the fact that each side's kind of it's it's mechanic each one of them kind of worked
2: i actually really liked that um You know, that it did that. I mean, maybe they were just taking a page out of the, you know, StarCraft playbook, you know, 10 years after it revolutionized the whole, you know, symmetric sides. But, but what I I think was also interesting was that, cause, you know, StarCraft back in, I guess was what, 96 that it came out, uh, that was still very much in the, like, the, you know, kind of the vanguard of the generation of RTSs where, like you said, you know, base building was kind of like, you know, the science that you really had to do. Whereas in, uh, in generals, it was getting a lot more aware from the base building mechanic and more focusing about, you know, fielding units, about the actual combat and right. the tactics, and um, I think it was kind of, I don't know if it was the first game to do the RTS to do that, but it was certainly one of the first in that kind of generation, which is, I think a lot of people that play RTSs now kind of take it for granted that, you know, spending 30 minutes just building up a base so that you can get enough units to fight somebody else, you know, isn't a part of uh, modern mechanics anymore.
3: Well, that, and you could hide units inside buildings. That that blew my mind. I was like, whoa, wait. I can hide in all these buildings now? I can put people inside them? That that was pretty incredible uh, to but, me, up until they started getting napalmed. Or for, apparently army ragers can kill an entire building full of people with a single flashbang grenade. Yeah, or stealth fighters can, can, can destroy everybody in
5: the building, though.
3: Ah, that's true, yeah. And snipers can also take out someone who's driving an armored tank. Mm-hmm. I mean, the buildings weren't. You can. I, I wouldn't say you
4: could hide in them because I remember in the game when you would put, send a unit in the building, all of a sudden the building would, you know, adopt the color of your faction. There'd be barbed wire everywhere, and it, it almost looked like a fortress it, well, yeah, rather that's than like playing
3: playing it easy
4: More than anything yeah. else. Yeah. yeah. But no, the, that, that was the whole Rangers. Uh, that was one of their, you know, because the U.S. faction in this game, it's all the units, U.S. units, are given kind of you know some kind of technical ability that gives them an edge in a one-on-one fight. And for the Rangers, it was you know they had the ability. You could fast rope them in into a building and they would wipe it out. It was it was awesome.
3: That that and the uh, that oh oh I just had a brain fart. Sorry, never mind. I had no point. <laughs> Carry on.
2: Uh, that's pretty normal.
3: <laughs> so I think uh, Crispin, one of the things that you had uh, mentioned in the the previous podcast, and, and I, I really... Oh, by the way, okay, yeah, previous podcast. So, we did a version of so this. So, this is Deja Vu all over right yeah, yeah, this is de- this yeah so, <laughs> so, we did a version of this, and I f***ed it up. So, uh, now I am requesting that everyone return so that we can talk about this game again. Uh, but anyways, so, I we talked a little bit about sort of how these units were contemporary and kind of made sense, and there's stuff that you could... Uh, you sort of relate to, but Crispin, you had some kind of good points about the the uh, context of when Generals came out and kind of some of the things that you were talking about there, so I guess uh, I'll just lean it over to you a little bit to talk about that.
5: Okay, so so, so the game came out in uh, 2003, kind of in the early uh, Rumsfeld years, where you started to see that kind of split between the uh, high-tech army that, that, that he had envisioned, the, the quote-unquote transformation army, and the army that was based on fighting insurgents. So you have an army that's, uh has the high-tech weapons to fight the Chinese, but it's also out to face the insurgents. And so you saw kind of a – in 2003, a two-tiered approach to uh, uh, fighting warfare. You saw the high-tech conventional approach to fight the conventional armies uh, with weapons that are now canceled. You had the Crusader uh, vehicles yeah. out there and the Comanche out there, which are now uh, – which were very quickly canceled uh, early in the Rumsfeld administration. Um, and you also saw, which was strange, and I don't think it was intended, was the advent of drones, armed drones, particularly in That's this true. command and conquer. Uh, each vehicle can be equipped with uh, a small drone, and depending on how much money you want to spend, it could be just a surveillance drone. Like um, you see with our even our Humvees, they um, sometimes go out in Afghanistan with a Raven drone, kind of orbiting overhead as they go along their convoy, or you could have a machine gun drone or a missile drone, and I think that those drones really added to your combat power, and you could also, as the American side, summon drones to orbit an area, and they were uh, stealthy, they couldn't be attacked generally, and they could uh, provide persistent uh, observation over the entire battlefield as you really kind of expanded your lodgement in your base. Um, I thought that was very fascinating, is that now, everything old is new again. We've gone down the uh the low tech approach now we're going back to the high tech approach and I'm just wondering exactly okay we've got the army's had a lot of budget failures over the years. I'm just wondering exactly what new combat systems are going to field to uh uh supplant the the, the quote unquote Comanche helicopter and the uh, crusader tank It's going to
3: be the crusader tank and the <laughs> Cool man checks. <laughs> Helicopter. They'll just, they'll just throw, like... I'm, I'm saying this. I'm saying this.
5: The, the, the military is looking, or the Army in particular, is looking at fielding a new helicopter. The students who are in flight school now will be retired by the time this thing hits service. Oh, my God.
1: No way. Seriously, be, that's... Lit, oh, my God. Yeah, but and they, so have
5: this great, they have this great idea. Okay, because this has worked so many times in the past, they're going to make one helicopter for all the services. Yay. Like a slight
3: stripe. Yeah,
5: Heli-
2: helicopter.
3: The joint flappy lift thing. H thirty five. Yeah, good. The joint,
1: yeah. the the <laughs>
2: yeah. oh the good. joint sadness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I mean, the funny <laughs> thing is, is like the whole with the whole high tech and low tech approach. Is like okay when you take a unit like the Comanche, when you'd fight use the Comanche against a unit like the the Global Liberation Army, which is like the you know that's like the, the insurgency. Yeah, the insurgency scrum, you know, the
3: army, like hiding in the mountains coming out. I mean, it's
4: not even the Iraqi army. I mean, it's 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 more like it's It's almost more like like Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you like take the Comanche and it will survive no chance because, you know, it's big thing is, you know, 4 anti-tank missiles. But guess what? The insurgents don't drive tanks. So what are you going to
5: use them on? So it's... Uh... Well, they had sort of had those weird tanks that would, like, grab parts and things like yeah. that if you played yeah. as them. But, oh,
3: yeah, like they would... They, you would run like something... over some garbage, and then all of a sudden they would go from, like, a dual cannon to, like, a quad cannon. <laughs> and, and what's funny <laughs> is that we
5: laugh now at this concept, but if you go to Libya, they would actually just start building their own bizarre, well, like, next Max-style uh, battle wagons. Yeah, the, like, the, the current like, technical things. Like a like a battleship on wheels or something like that. It was just bizarre. I fought, but this is what these third world armies will sometimes build as their own do it yourself armor.
3: I tried I tried uh, the uh, Toyo- the uh, Toyota War uh, against my uh, brother when I was playing, and I said I would only play by building technicals against his tanks. And uh, history did not play itself out. <laughs> <laughs> so that that ended very poorly for me. But anyways, I'm sorry, Brett. What were you saying?
4: No, I mean, I was, uh, It's just, it's spot on. It's about, uh, you know, how the, you know, the some of those high tech units were, were, were ridiculous, and they wouldn't work against, you know, everything like you would, you'd say. You know, but on the other hand, you know, as we hear in the trailers, Tomahawk missiles and carpet bombs, those things get the job done.
3: <laughs> I, you know what I noticed, as an American, as an American. I wanted to love the American side, you know, but all the problems that Brett talked about, and it always, it just it was too expensive. I wouldn't have enough forces in the field. I wouldn't feel flexible enough, uh, I would always end up playing as the freaking Chinese. I don't know what was about them, but it was the best damn side. It had the Gatling tank. I love being able, you know, the Aurora bomber comes out to the U.S. side and it'll target some individual tank and hit it with a bomb. And instead, I could just dump napalm on everything. I mean, that was. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys. It, I didn't. Did you guys have side preferences in this get bad boy?
4: Well, I mean, the napalm was awesome because, um, you know, probably the most annoying unit, at least in my opinion, the most annoying unit to play against and the entire game were the GLA Stinger units, were, you know, the, the guys oh, that would shoot yeah. missiles up at your air power. The only thing, I mean, you would either have to, like, saturate them with a bunch of bombers and, you know, lose one or two, or, you know, you use napalm, and when you use napalm, they don't shoot back because they have a more They're pressing – uh, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I did enjoy the Chinese to some extent. I mean, some of their units were, like, you know, you have, like, the Overlord tank, which is this huge tank. I mean, it's like, it's like a beast. And then the Helix helicopter, which is, it's almost like a, an airborne version of a tank, just meant to withstand damage. I mean, some of those get a little, little crazy, but, uh, no, I, I love that. I think their approach towards the Chinese, uh, towards kind of the Chinese, uh, you know, gameplay was really interesting because it revolves around cheap units, but, uh, overwhelming numbers, which, you know, that was, you know, Chinese military doctrine up through. You know, I mean, the, the entire 20th
5: century. I'm pretty vanilla whenever I play video games. Um, when I play uh, Star Wars, I always play as the Rebel Alliance. I play as the big guys. And Whenever I play uh, Humanity Conquered.
4: Yeah, they, you, he <laughs> plays the insurgents.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
4: People who murdered
5: a
3: billion soldiers on a giant uh, space station, yeah. Okay,
4: good good of, so so the first, fighters. the
3: first
5: one, it was just soldiers. The second one, okay, I do feel a little sorry for the independent contractors that were killed aboard the second Death Star. <laughs> And, and I knew what they uh, were getting into.
1: Yes, the yes. The economic ruin of the uh planet below or the moon below. Yeah. Yes. I, yes, yes. I hope
5: all
4: of our viewers have seen Star Wars because we may have just spoiled it for you.
5: Viewers, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to talk about the new one. Uh, but, but whenever I play Command & Conquer, I always play as the Americans. And specifically, I always play as the air power side of the Americans. I just kind of like that – uh that aspect of it, to, to have your Comanche helicopters that are stealth, so that therefore they had the edge on the GLA. My,
3: my favorite my favorite unit was always, as much as I love playing the Chinese, it's got to be the Angry Mob. Angry Mob was the best. Every, <laughs> Definitely they, had they had mob had the best bomb, best cocktails, dialogue. and if you just <laughs> built the Angry Mob, it, it was the best. You win the game. You could bomb them and napalm them. There's still, like, hundreds of people And then their upgrade is my favorite, and found in the intro, I think, to most of our episodes, where uh, I think the upgrade is AK-47s for everyone, and uh, when you click it, he he just says that. He's like, AK-47s for everyone, and you have a bunch of guys loading mags in the background.
2: (laughs) <laughs> that's what i loved about this series so much was that you know you could have this kind of veneer of sort of you know like i don't want to say realism because that might be giving it too much credit but this kind of veneer of familiarity in terms of yeah. the unit types and the startling geopolitical similarities we talked about but at the end of the day it didn't take itself too seriously and you could just have fun listening to like i still remember um oh god the uh from uh, red alert to the uh the suicide trucks that libya could build uh that were like the nuclear trucks and it was like for the republic like it was just (laughs) freaking hysterical and i i love that you know you can have a satisfying game like that you know in terms of its construction and whatnot but at the end of the day like the developers were just like hey let's like have an angry mob of people asking for shoes and ak-47s that's hilarious i mean it's 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 a concurrent
1: theme in all the red alerts to where Western powers have key units that you have to use in conjunction with each other, whereas anybody else, whether they be Russian or Chinese or some non-Western power, where their strategy is you just build a ton of those units and overwhelm uh, the Western powers. It seems to be a concurrent theme throughout all the Command & Conquer games, I think. Just
3: dump as much crap as you can at somebody, and then we actually the. The quote-unquote Western power, you know, like GDI or somebody has to uh, actually coordinate stuff. I'm kind of right. looking I'm looking forward to what is going to come out of this Active Aggression game. Have any of you guys seen this?
4: I'm not looking forward to it because the Active Aggression, that's the one by the guys that made the game Wargame, right? Yeah. So when I, I think of Active Aggression as, okay, they're making a different game instead of Wargame 3 or War Game 4, which is an yeah. awesome game. And we'll talk about. It. But no, I've, uh, I, but when I looked, you're right. I mean, when you looked at active, active aggression, it's, it looks a lot like Command and Conquer. I mean, it's, yeah. Kind of that macro RTS. I mean, it looks fun, but, I mean, now that I'm more into the, the games with a little more, co- uh, complexity or challenged it.
3: Ah, boo. You're just not that fun.
4: <laughs> you're just upset because I beat you at War Game every time.
3: I, you have, <laughs> we have played once. So no. I guess statistically, <laughs> You technically,
2: are technically <laughs> his statement still holds. That is true. That, you know what happened is,
4: is all of Matt's tanks ran out of gas. That's true. It was it was it was one on two. I was playing you and your wife. Your wife quit because she had better things to do after an hour.
3: That's and then not. everything just ran out
4: of gas. And she it
3: was so I was teaching her how to play this game, and and she kind of learned how to do it. But she thought so. I know how to play this game, and I'm like, okay, so do this, and do that. So she thought that she would, you know, get get sort of sneaky with me and all of a sudden I see like all these units start like poking up around places that I didn't tell her to put them and I was like mm-hmm. oh oh, it's going to be like that and then you know A-10 just came in and blew up everything it's like wait what was that? I'm like hey look you wanted to play the game I saw you poking around
1: you bombed your wife
3: listen sometimes hard choices have to be made preemptively
1: struck at your wife's forces you did I did
3: well, Bush Doctrine. <laughs> that's that is a huge extension of the Bush. I I will say this, um, <laughs> applying, I would not apply the Bush Doctrine to my wife. But uh, if you've ever seen the documentary Fog of War, the Eleven Lessons of uh, Robert McNamara, I have decided already in the short amount of time that I've been a father that all of these lessons can be applied to child rearing. <laughs> I think somebody suggested that we uh, write a book called Wiz Kids: Lessons of Child Rearing <laughs> from the Vietnam <theater>, <laughs> Got 'em! I'm in. I'm in.
1: Oh man.
4: Well, you know great. there is actually a kids' book called Clausewitz for Kids, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, really? Yeah, that was what two years back, three years back. Yeah, so it's, I illustrated uh, it with the rabbit.
4: Is that yeah, something ex- I can Yeah, still exactly.
1: So
5: the so children's illustrated Clausewitz is what you're saying. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. gonna be that's gonna be our Christmas gift to you, uh,
4: oh. Matt. Please. Little Maddie, for kids.
3: Little, little Maddie will be a uh, huge fan. His mom. Is not, he'll be
4: talking about you know the center of gravity at age four.
3: <laughs> his mom is not a fan <laughs> of the uh uh what what is it the uh, collection doll what are the Russian dolls that pop out nesting dolls the, yeah she's not what a fan awesome. of the uh, Putin nesting doll that keeps showing up uh, near his crib. I don't know where that well, keeps coming from. You need like, to get her the uh, calendar then. <laughs> you have a Putin doll. Uh, I do have a Putin nesting doll. That is correct. Jason Kamlick actually found an even better one and was raving on it. And then I noticed that there was only one left from the store that he posted, uh, so I bought it and took it from him. I felt it was appropriate, you know, since I was. Another preemption. I see a pattern here. Preemption, exactly. But uh, okay, so (laughs) to 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 round it on back (laughs) somewhat. um, So what do we? this feels like a stupid question uh, I I guess but you know it's one worth asking Uh, so what do we kind of think of these themes it is a little creepy um, and I'm not saying these guys are clairvoyant by any stretch of the imagination but you've got this game that for for whatever reason in 2003 is bringing up all these themes because this was back when DLCs would come out sorry not DLCs expansion packs oh my god we don't even have expansion packs anymore do we
2: Nope. Do we do? Ages.
3: do we do yeah. expansion packs? I guess they're all DL. We just call them DLCs now, huh? We do. That's really weird. Um, well, you
1: wouldn't download them back then. You had to go to Walmart, and steal true. it like Crispin did during the hurricane.
3: Exactly. Had <laughs> <laughs> sneak in past the cops, whichever ones weren't also looting the Walmarts. <laughs> well, asymmetric acquisition. Ooh, I go. like that. Exactly. That's requisitioning. A, um, <laughs> So you've got this game in 2003. It's the middle of the Iraq, uh, or, or the Iraq War is going down. So it's got a lot of themes that people are connecting with. Meanwhile, the plot of the game itself, you've got somewhat of a conventional kind of, they've got tanks. They, every, Everybody's dressed up like they're former you know military officers in the united arab republic for some reason which hey let's throw that in and say that that's kind of like everybody for some reason being former sunni Baathists. uh so you've got this sort of conventional military force that's conquering a bunch of territory and trying to strike at the united states you got the united states kind of feckless policy falling all over itself and meanwhile you have china filling in all the gaps so it's sort of weird that we're in this position now. Maybe I'm sort of overestimating. I mean, obviously, uh, a, a an Arab army has not randomly invaded San Diego like it does in Command and Conquer Generals, but the sort of the flavors are there. You know, the flavors of policy failure and what powers are rising where and who's filling in what gaps. Well, you have to be I mean,
5: careful. Is that there are no uh, strategic choices in this game. It's all that That's the true. lower level of operational art to the tactical realm. There, there are no strategic choice in this game. But one thing that I found very odd about this game and that I think is very strangely prescient is that, um, the Chinese method of making money, um, in addition to the conventional <laughs> sense was hacking. Yes. They would, they would actually hack into your money source and the Chinese would hack money out of your, uh, that, <laughs> but that doesn't happen these days now.
3: No, absolutely. But you well, know what? I mean, <laughs> go ahead.
1: <laughs> it, it, I think we're giving too much credit to the amount of time that's passed. I mean, if if the, the designers for this game were merely reading Time Magazine back in 2003 consistently, um, they would have known all this. You know, drones were already in the news. You know, the the MQ-9, you know, the, 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 the poster child for what drones are, was already a known entity, and it was already being said, hey, we're going to put hellfires on this. Uh, China was already rising at that time. Obviously... You go back to the 70s for pan-Arab sentiments and the the, the rebirth of the caliphate. Um, you know, you take these very broad topics and you just coalesce them all together and then put across uh You know, the veneer of gameplay. And yeah, it will seem very prescient. And it turns out that despite what the roaring 90s wanted us to believe in terms of progress in the world, things don't change that fast. These things still move at a well, I mean, generational pace. I mean,
5: you, you talk about pan-Arabic sentiment, but I mean, pan-Arabic sentiment, yeah, that's been around since the 70s. But it fails all the time because they never agree on anything. It's like the, it's like that last scene of Lawrence of Arabia. Once the Arabs march in Damascus, they can't agree on a thing. And that's basically what the Arab league is these days.
1: I mean, well, the right. One other,
5: right. The one
4: other neat thing that they, um, that they kind of caught on or really followed was the whole obsession, you know, in 2003 and 2002, I mean, the most popular, one of the most popular words in, you know, national security circles was like weapons of mass destruction or WMD. I mean, that was yeah. what doctrine revolved around in the, in the game. That's a huge portion, and both, you know, each faction has their own. It's actually called a WMD. I mean, the yeah. Americans have a Star Wars laser. That's pretty awesome. The and then the Chinese have a nuclear missile, which is pretty cool. And then you know the the GLA, they just you know they only they they just like have their, a bunch of
3: SCUDs their, with anthrax. Yeah, there are dozen <laughs> SCUD launchers yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, and that was a big thing too. Was was you didn't know where
4: the where was they would anthrax. Get. So you just scare. fire a bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah, and they even uh, had
3: a guy, General Thrax, and he specialized in, <laughs> in tanks. Yeah, of course that's the And the, the sad, and the
5: sad thing is, is that Anthrax gear was most likely uh instigated by somebody within the C D C. Right.
3: Oh, and man. then
4: and then in the campaign, I mean each it the campaign, no matter which side you play as, it all revolves around getting it's basically an ICBM or it's basically yeah it's like okay we're going to get an ice beam and shoot it at the at DC we're going to get an ice and shoot it at Beijing or someone's going to try to shoot an ice beam at DC and we got to stop them i mean it revolves i mean that's i mean if yeah. my memory serves me right i mean that was that was like the the, the climax for each of the kinda, campaigns
3: you kind of wonder about that too because you're like oh, i've got my space laser you're like oh no he's going to get this piece of crap to crap in. shoot the space laser or not, I guess. And then the Chinese are over there with a nuclear bomb. They're like, Oh no, the China- wait, they have an I C B M. Literally one of their weapons is an I C B M. And it's right there. But we're gonna worry about this one that's all the way but you know, hey, I'm <laughs> thinking I'm thinking too deeply. But, uh, the, but an awesome
4: part about all of those is you would play and in the top right corner of the screen there'd be a timer for how long till it was ready. And I remember when I'd play and I would see that like timer <laughs> go down if it was the enemy it'd be like, Oh <laughs> the Chinese have a nuke that's going to be ready to go in like thirty seconds. Oh, that's where true, is it? True. I can't get there. And that would be, that was like, that was a fun part of the gameplay. That's because, true.
3: Like you that know, moment you had of panic. no idea.
4: Yeah, it was. It was like, got <laughs> two minutes. Launch the, you know, launch my angry mob run. now. Run, everyone, so.
3: run, separate. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> clear target. <laughs> that decapitating strike where you just get, you're not paying attention, you get hit with a nuke, and your entire base is gone. Yeah, that that's was when I uh,
4: like, like, was if, the air power. Go ahead. Yeah, when you lost your base, I mean you were done because when you lost your base you couldn't build workers and when you can't build workers you can't raise money. And well, so you're the it would Chinese. only take Yeah, unless you're the Chinese. But you then you have hack, like three dollar bills at a time.
3: <laughs> and so <laughs> Well you can upgrade you could have upgraded them and they would do twenty at a time. Twenty five. <laughs> and you just build like twenty of these dudes and you just hide them all over the place, like none of them in your base, like in buildings over in the hills, and so people are attacking you and your hackers are hiding amongst the civilian population. And then well, that's, one thing where,
4: that, that's where anthrax comes
5: in. <laughs> one thing that I thought was interesting is that, is that um, you know, when when you have that countdown, like at the two-minute mark, as the air power general, you can send in that fleet of A-10s. It, you know, in 2003, they saw that as a viable option, whereas here in 2015, you don't see this as a viable option, unless you're on the John Q. Public blog, and John Q. Public is always right.
3: It's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Look, but I'm not going to start a The Air Force that. is trying to silence that man. He
5: is right. <laughs>
3: John Q. Public, if you're listening,
5: I'm sorry about all the Yo Mama jokes, but you're right.
3: I'm going to need – I think – are we going to need more context on that? I, uh, I, I, think, I thought it was Joe Manny we'll making
1: those jokes.
5: Huh. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 the guy who makes John Q. Public makes all those very uh, strange Yo Mama jokes with Joe and it's, it's very immature, but he's a good guy.
4: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: Oh, my.
5: Yeah, so
4: we're we're talking about you – so, I want to go around, and I'm going to eventually ask, you know, what everyone's favorite unit is. But I also want to, before I ask that, I want to ask if what unit was not in the game that you wish could have been in the game in some way. Yeah. So, kind of reverse. So, I should
3: have thought of this Shit. question before asking it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Actually, have. Oh.
4: oh I already know what mine.
3: I, I was going to say, I was going to say, I already said earlier, it was the angry mob. But if I recall, Colonel Burton was just like Rambo, right? The Americans got this guy who's just like, I'm going to get him for America! And he just show <laughs> up, and he's like indestructible, and he heals himself, and he's got a rocket launcher. I, I don't remember, but I vaguely remember there being some kind of like Rambo-like character that would just blow up tanks and destroy buildings, and he had C4 and all kinds of other stuff. But outside the special ones, yeah, it's got to be just for the amusement level has got to be the angry mob
1: yeah i'd second angry that
3: mob.
4: okay angry mob i don't See, i actually, don't have
3: one that i would want yet though i'd have to ponder that
4: so i'll i'll go ahead and i'll say the paladin tank was pretty awesome because well you could put a laser on it it would it, that was like that was like donald rumsfeld's like dream tank you know just, like, crush it, you know, all the armor. But, you know, unfortunately, as we discussed, the GLA armor consisted of, like, a four-by-four. Four. So um, it wasn't much. But, Crispin, what about you?
5: I can make almost an entire army, and in many cases I actually have, out of either stealth Comanches and Humvees. Almost entirely.
3: Really? So you could actually use the Humvees? Well, the Humvees, you'd put the guy in, mm-hmm. and then – Your rangers you in, in, and they yeah. could also,
5: like, capture all the the, the, the the supply points and everything like that. Uh, I would say that units that I wish I had seen or seen more of, uh, there was that one mission, and it may have been in the regular generals or in Zero Hour, where you actually had a naval option, like naval mm-hmm. gunfire support, and I wish we'd actually had that in, like, regular maps or anything like that. Um you know, the option to have that naval gunfire support. That was kind of a fun that option. Never,
3: that never ends well, though. Like the naval, the naval play and and these kinds of games. It ends well if you're happen. in the navy. Well, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. What I mean is is it never works. Or maybe I'm wrong, but Red Alert it didn't work. Command no, of Conquer it didn't. didn't work. It right. didn't work, and it doesn't even work in war games. And like we love war games, but Red Dragon, everything about Red Dragon is amazing, until you so, so. involve ships.
4: So you want to? So you're saying you'd rather you know shoot your t lamb at like 100 plus or however far away, and have to zoom all the way across the map to see if it
3: hits. Well, I'm saying just don't. It. It's, I kind of
4: like the idea of pulling you know the Ford class carrier you know 20 meters offshore. But that's
3: just, the point. It's, it's, if you want to play meters, the game, you know, it's always going to end up. It always ends up like that because they're going to. If if you go for realism or you go for goofy, and to a certain point, goofy's fun, but. Uh, if you got stuff for an, uh, ground units work better on this scale. Maybe maybe it's just me, but I, I'm I'm never a fan when
2: they add the the naval units. It seems kind of just irritating.
1: Well, they I, don't know I, what to do. I totally agree. They don't know they what to do, do with it.
2: Yeah, because you know when you have a moment like say in uh, Command and Conquer uh, like Red Alert 2, where you have your carriers and you have to pull them back because their range puts them in range of the tanks. Uh, that's kind of a problem. In the <laughs> game. Yeah, it's a little bit of cognitive dissonance. We're like, oh yeah, I got to get their conyard. Oh is, no, I'm getting too close to their tank. This is nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> this is
3: this is the culmination of the terrible Air Wing. <laughs> Our Air Wing now has a but, uh, a total of I a mean, thirty uh, mile range. No strike I wish, uh,
1: I wish in the game that they had actual ISR units rather than every unit being the perfect ISR unit, including uh, infantry, platoon, all the way up to the Comanche, you got the same kind of situational awareness regardless of the unit. And I wish it was a little bit more true to form in that regard to where they, again, it's kind of in the same vein as uh, game designers never quite get uh, naval aspects to warfare, right? Same thing with ISR. I mean, granted, maybe back in 2003, that's borderline impossible to have programmed in. But now on the precipice of 2016, you would think we could get a little bit more sophistication in terms of um, you as the strategic guidance or the operational guidance for your game. You're fed different types of information based on the units you have there. Um,
4: I was so. actually going to say you know, the this, this same thing because I think it would be awesome to you know, like be able to fly in airborne ISR or whatever for ground service, that, and then electronic warfare. That it would be fun right. to, to throw that in there and see what would happen.
3: I'm, I'm always a fan of the, you know, I, I think I figured out it's not so much a unit, but I like it when the games do it squad-based. So I like the units. I like the creativity, but micromanaging these individual pieces of crap, like, oh, I've got 20 tanks, and it's like, let me sit here and hotkey. No, I don't want to hotkey these damn things. I want them in a formation, or I want them to, to sort of move – 10 at a time or whatever the case is. I mean, or exercise vampires. their own initiative
5: and not yes. just uh, sit back as they get walloped to death. Yeah. Like, like, Hey, there's a rock. <laughs> let, do something.
3: Let me hide right. behind this rock instead of just getting shot in the face and standing in the middle of
2: the street. <laughs> that was one of the uh, things I liked. I don't know if you guys, do you ever play rise of nations at all? Yes. Yes. yes yeah. yeah. I did. Yes. That was one of the things I loved about that game that I wish would be in more of them where, you know, there were – the incentive was to not micromanage and try to hotkey to sort of like snipe individual units by focusing fire and rewarding the people that can hit control, you know, too, uh faster than their opponents. Right. Because it was – let's see, all you had to do was hit F to make it move forward to attack. And if you had multiple units firing on the same unit, there would be uh, cascading penalties for each unit after, like, the first two in terms of doing damage. Yeah. So hmm. there was actually an active disincentive to do that. So, yeah, that was, that was one of the things that was kind of like a – it's almost like a regress on, uh, on generals. But I guess it's, it's the old way. It's the classic
3: way. That so. was the one with, like, the weird, like, Aladdin people and the Venetian people and the future jungle Aztec people? Or was that a different game? That was a different one.
4: It's a different game, yeah. No, That's Rise of Nations true. is history. It's, it's based oh, off yeah, history. yeah, 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 So, you okay. know, you play as, like, George Washington. You have Minutemen, uh, Grenadiers, you know, all sorts yeah. of cool stuff.
5: Each nation obviously has its own unique uh, character. So the Romans, they could – you could have, like, 21st century Romans, but kind of their peak would be, I guess, their centurion units or something like that. Yeah. Whereas right. the Americans would be, like, maybe Minutemen or something like that.
1: Oh, so it's it's the same model as civilization then. The kind, of, kind one
3: of, an but an
5: Civilization is turn-based, whereas uh, Rise of Nations was uh, real-time.
1: Okay.
4: Yeah, right. And there's more, there's more focus on the tactical. There's more combat.
3: Uh, uh, th- interesting.
5: Yeah, but you also have the research aspect to uh, Rise of Nations as well. Within the, yeah. the kind of the operational tactical realm, you have to research technologies uh, mm-hmm. within that.
1: Yeah, speaking of uh, squad-based, though, I just got to throw this out there: A game that actually predates Command and Conquer that got uh, I would say the strategic picture meshed with uh, tactical level squad-based um, gameplay would be XCOM, and that carries ah, through to this day. I've old. never yeah. seen yeah, old, XCOM, Never seen a game yeah. that did it yeah. better. Well, they have a new yeah. XCOM out as well. They well, came out and about it's cheaters, just yeah. as good as the original. Just as good yeah, as the original. The XCOM, yeah. There's XCOM 2. Yeah, XCOM yeah. 2, okay. and
3: I remember that. Yeah, it was such. Mm-hmm. I remember getting that as a kid, and I was like, "What the hell game is this?" Um, it was mm-hmm. like XCOM you oh, or some the other one was Oh
5: my. Go ahead. Jagged Alliance was also very good for that as well. It's, it's kind of funny is that you had the, the strategic game. You had, a, Alli- very, you had a very character-driven game, and not in terms of developing your characters, but, you know, you interact with the local population. And you also had the turn-based tactical game. And what's funny is that it's almost a, a microcosm of counterinsurgency because you have to gain popular support throughout the population in order to um, – you know, overthrow this government. Um, there are things that you do to gain the support of the population. Like, um, they have a woman who is very much like Kathy Lee Gifford and she's, uh, running a sweatshop <laughs> and these little children. <laughs> and you can go in there. I don't know where you're going base, with that. Okay. The support of the local population is basically beating
3: Kathy Lee Gifford to death. And, and no matter how quickly to <laughs> beat Kathy Lee Gifford to death, <laughs> that's how much the support of the population rises. <laughs> So, wait, wait, so is, she's oh, a well. persistent character, and you can... <laughs> she's a persistent character, and you just go in there every once in a while to sort of juice your support? No, family. no, no. You, you, you kill her once, and she's gone. Uh, okay. <laughs> so this is, is, Wait, wait. Is Jagged Alliance is, just, just, just called three term? without the ability to steal jumbo jets? <laughs>
5: there are no jets to steal, no, but you can steal an ice cream truck and use it as an armored personnel character. That is... <laughs>
3: Oh man, we got oh, to that's go amazing. Hide, in the,
4: hide in the freezer. <laughs> we got, you know what?
3: We really do have to do uh, at some point in time. We got to do Just Cause. Now that we're talking about sort of like madness, freeform that, stuff. That's
4: crazy. I mean, that's like,
3: I mean, Just the Cause. is so flips. amazing.
4: A guy is like, mm. literally flying. He's using a wingsuit to literally fly across the map, and I don't mean like skydive from thirty thousand feet and you know go five meters. I mean, he's like literally ten meters off the ground for. Or well, he can do
3: Spider-Man. He can <laughs> Spider-Man through the woods with his friggin' wrist yeah. grappling hook. Yeah, and it's, then it's ridiculous. He can I mean, ride a-, a jumbo jet and then kick in so it's like at 30,000 feet on the map, and then he can just swing around and kick in the side door and take over the plane. Like, it's just, oh, well, man. All,
4: all, all the YouTube videos, it's with the grappling hook. You can, <laughs> so you attach it to something, and you can also attach it to a person. And so people uh. will, like. You know, shoot it at a jet and then shoot it at like a guard and all of a sudden you just see the guard go like (laughs) flying off. Or drop or drop like or they attach two guards to each other and then they they just fall down. It's 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 it's
3: comical. Attach a cow to like a helicopter and the helicopter crashes because you can't carry the cow around.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And just when you thought Doctor Thrax was the most hilarious thing to happen to video games. (laughs)
3: All right, so yeah,
4: we need we did a grappling hook in
1: real life. We do, <laughs> like, well, absolutely.
3: That's maybe that's gonna be the first one that we twitch. So at some point in time, we gotta start twitching some of these games. Um, I don't even know if Twitch is still popular, but whatever, we'll be behind the curve. But uh, that could be one of them, just us grappling hooking random livestock to cars and stuff, and seeing what happens. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, apparently, Just Cause Three also has Doge mode. There's a dog. No way. If, yeah, if you escort yep. this little dog to its kennel, um, uh-huh. Comic Sans things like, wow, such explosions start <laughs> flying out. Or, or like such dead and ouch, like fly out of people <laughs> when you shoot them.
2: It's basically like a uh, it's like a Doge version of uh, Grunt Birthday Party from Halo uh, right. Reach. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs>
3: I don't know. Man. That's fantastic. We said we're gonna keep this one around 45 minutes to an hour, so uh, I don't know. Is anybody? It feels like we got this one tapped out. We're already re- doing a little bit of overreach to other games. So, uh, talking anybody about Doge. Got, yes, talking <laughs> about Doge and Just Cause 3. Uh, anybody got anything? Well,
4: we, we gotta we gotta end it on uh, we gotta end it on some. We already did favorite unit. What's That's, a good way to, to close it out? What's a good? Well, I know
3: you're drinking a beer, what are you drinking there?
4: So I started with the Lefe, which is a blonde. I love nice. it. It's a Belgium. But mm-hmm. I ran out of that, so I went to Sam Adams Boston Lager because I was – so I was at Whole Foods, and they have all their, you know, micro brews, but I'm looking around. I made the mistake of pulling out of my my iPhone and going to Beer Advocate, and, you know, I see this – oh, man, this IPA looks really cool. It's, uh, you know, Storm of the Seas or something, and I go to Beer Advocate, and it, like, says it's awful. So I did that for, like, three IPAs, and I was like, screw it. I'm just going to Santa Adams.
3: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of o- naval-themed beers out there that just are constant disappointments. I want a damn beer. You know, it's like a Commodore, Victory at Sea, and they're all crap. Anchor Steam. So bad. Anchor Steam. Uh, I, it's not bad. I can't, bad. I can't bad. remember if I like their stout or not. Uh,
1: full Sail is any, okay. Sale any IPA is a naval beer. Any one of them, because they had to keep really? the beer fresh this on that long trip to India. Yes. So well, any IPA. Navy how how
4: did they, they keep the beer fresh?
1: By right, throwing all those trip. hops in it. Well, yes, yes, relatively yes, yes. speaking. And that's why it Health, tastes like, like shit. Safe to drink is what they had to keep it. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so,
3: so your version of fresh and his version of fresh are two uh, two different things.
1: Vastly uh, different, it would seem.
3: I am drinking <laughs> the Evil Twin Brewing Aon Chili Jesus. Don't know why it's called that. But, uh, quote, on a pilgrimage for Immortal Craft Beer, we tipped on some heavenly drops of beer with amazing overwhelming aromas of chili peppers and more. A thick fudge-like body, pitch black color, and obviously only made in limited amounts. And the taste, furthermore, Jesus, I don't know why it says that. That's a weird way to end that weird flavor text. It's okay. I mean, it's 12%, so you're ready to party. Um, this is like three or four natty ices, probably around four natty ices, maybe five, uh, in one beer. So that's not bad, but the flavor's a little, I don't know, the flavor's a little off. I've been testing a bunch of different stouts recently, and uh, and they're not doing too well. Dragon's Milk is still mm. a champ.
1: I had a, uh, I had um, Guinness's IPA last night. How's that? The they, they do time. an IPA? Yes, yeah, and it's <laughs> like they tried to take a Guinness and literally mix it with an IPA. Not oh, a fan. Wow, Not a oh, fan at really all.
4: gross. W- yeah, Wait, was it, it was... bottled or was it
1: on
3: tap? It was uh, on it... the ground.
1: On the ground. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> there was this puddle, and I just started drinking out of it. Um, and that tasted. But, uh, it.
1: They, they, it was at a restaurant. They brought it to me in a glass, so I'm, I'm assuming tap, but I can't be certain. Yeah, avoid at all costs is my. That sounds opinion. like a, That sounds like a sin. Yeah, yeah, well you know, it basically is. Like I guess they couldn't leave well enough alone and they didn't want to get on this IPA craze or something. I don't know. So. But uh, tonight I'm drinking Brooklyn brand lager and it tastes like it was made from water in the Hudson. So
2: there. yummy. <laughs> lots of, flavor, Ooh, yummy. Yeah.
3: Lots, of yeah. lots of flavor, some granular texture to it. <laughs> yeah, it's got, it's got a certain
2: grit to it. You know? <laughs> lots of iron. Good Yeah,
1: lots and lots. Uh. Cool.
3: <laughs> Maybe a little bit of rocket fuel. You know, hormones. Also, hormone injections. Mm-hmm. The stuff that bit... makes the rivers light on fire. Exactly. Well, hey, that's Cleveland, <laughs> <one>, man. That's <Not laughs> bad. Well, on that note. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody else is anybody else drinking anything of interest?
5: I, I stopped drinking. I, okay, so uh, like in general. My original, vac- <laughs> my original vacation plans, you know, kind of uh, got scrapped due to my canceled flight. So now I'm. It's two days before New Year's. I'm in Manhattan, and so I went out and had a few beers before this. Now I'm back in my hotel, podcasting, and now I'm about to go back out in Manhattan and drink some more.
3: And is that Indeed. why you're on the uh, Kathy Lee Gifford kick? Is seeing is. <laughs> her and uh, her and Anderson out there in the middle of Times Square. <laughs>
5: <laughs> no, it's, uh, no, not Kathy Lee Gifford. It's Kathy Griffin that's supposed to be broadcasting out of there with Anderson Cooper. Oh,
3: oh whatever, Cat- Kathy something.
5: Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, this is the annoying woman from uh, True Beverly Hills that's going to be a Times Square, as opposed to the annoying woman who used to host it that's the don't-get-your-kids-vaccinated lady. She's also kind of annoying. Jenny McCarthy?
3: Yes. I didn't say – I didn't say – And I hope – uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go Chris, ahead. Man, you know
4: what you need to do is you need to go to the Today Show. You need yeah, to name drop this podcast.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: Absolutely right.
0: Yeah, just get one of those
5: go, big poster like boards. Like sit outside big
3: sign that says, Simpsack yeah. rules. Oh, man, no, go in uniform, and they're like, oh, wow, look, we got one of our American heroes there. <laughs> yeah, you know what, I'll tell you what, after New Year's, you should go uh, get yourself a few beers and listen to the Real-Time Strategy Podcast on iTunes. <laughs> Not available on Spotify. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> Give them five stars, and by the way, it's not available on I- Stitcher Stream Radio because those assholes don't answer any emails or tweets. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Uh, I will say about, yeah.
5: about Command Conquer's generals, um, you know, it's a game I still play to this I, day. It was still, still worth the money role. I spent on it, considering I stole it from a Walmart in New Orleans after <laughs> <laughs> <of> a <China>.
4: year. <laughs> <laughs> flew off in your helicopter. <laughs>
5: <laughs> he landed on the roof I, I, of I the, it. I didn't, I didn't he, the Walmart. I salvaged. I didn't move. I
3: salvaged. They were flying silent. You your helicopter
4: on top. Yeah, they were <laughs> flying over the
3: Walmart, and he's like, yo, hey, guys, I've got to stop and get one of those copies of Commander Cocker Generals." So just went downstairs. And there are a bunch of people like, oh, thank God, you're so hungry. He's like, oh, scrubs, I'm not here for you. Grabs the game off the shelf and goes back upstairs. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was terrible. I think this is a good place to end. Yep. Right, Absolutely. Have a, have a happy new year, guys. Happy and new year. I guess everyone who's listening, I hope you had a happy new year. There's no way Brett's going to edit this in the next 24 hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Talk to you later.
1: Yep. Bye. Bye.